listening to Scrumcast with Derek Neighbors and Chris Young. Today we're going to be talking about running a single retrospective with many small teams. Scrumcast is produced by Integrum Technologies. Visit us soon at integrumtech.com. And without any further ado, here's Derek and Chris. Okay, so um, here at uh, Integrum Technologies, we are a consulting company, and we uh, generally work in pairs. And as part of working in pairs, we don't have more than two or four people um, per team, but we've you know got five or six different pairs working together. Um, we do weekly retrospectives. We do them as a team instead of as just the two people working on a project or the pair working on a project. That brings about certain difficulties in running a retrospective. So I've got uh, Chris Young, our scrum master here, and we wanted to start doing a daily or weekly podcast where we just talk about kind of some of the agile hurdles that we have um, here at Integrum and that we deal with. And this is the one that's kind of bit us over time. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about it. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah. So today uh, was the second retrospective that I've run. What I tried to do was actually like uh, Derek said, we have, you know, we have a team. I think there's 12, 13 people in our company right now, um, but those are broken down into smaller teams right now um, of two people each on each team. It's difficult as a scrum master to address specific team problems when um, when we're trying to pull information out of the whole team. Say we had one team that um, was not matching, was not meeting the velocity that they'd signed up for for the week or not meeting the commitment that they had signed up for, and none of the other teams were having that problem. Do we really want to concentrate the whole retrospective on the one team's problem, or do we have to, um, or do we have to hope that it just sort of comes up by speaking in generalities? And, and from what I've seen, most of our uh, retrospectives uh, are dealing a lot with kind of generalities, best practices, high-level types of things, and we're not getting down into the data and the direct, directly working with what happened this week specifically. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, in, in doing them that you you have to play to the lowest common denominator. So you have to play to the, the weakness or the strength that um, all the teams as a whole exhibit instead of being able to target just what one single team is doing. The thing that is difficult is trying to do a retrospective with a single pair and an off-site customer is nearly impossible. It's very difficult if you've got just one pair of programmers. It's very hard for them to be brutally honest with each other, meaning they either aren't able to see the problems that they're facing because they can't see the forest through the trees or they don't have the courage to speak up and maybe admit to things that they know are currently going on. Um, and so, you know, putting them in with several other teams helps um, create that courage and maybe helps visibility. It doesn't allow you is a facilitator to have that laser-like focus specifically to a project. Right. So I, I think one of the things that becomes hard is I don't know the proper way to address that. Like, I mean, we, we talked about trying to do individual retrospectives with other team. Um, of course, that's hard now as a facilitator if you've got to run five different retrospectives. Additionally, it's very difficult for people to have the courage to be honest when it's basically just you and your pair in a facilitator. So you've got a three-man retrospective that is also 
um, makes it fairly difficult. Right. You know, generally, it's like I, I would be coming in with data, say, hey, listen, our code coverage is dropping. Hey, listen, our whatever. I'd actually have some data, and we could talk specifically to that. Again, then then is it is it sort of embarrassing uh, to say, hey, this team, let's talk about this team's problem. Let's all focus on them. I don't I don't think that that's going to uh, meet with a lot of a uh, a lot a lot of success either. And I'm realizing more and more that I'm that. It's that my my engaging people during the week is going to be more important when it when it comes to those types of things. I have to have some courage myself to be able to to bring people together uh, and and see what we can do about those types of problems. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that that's one of the other difficult things is you know I really played with it one time. Maybe doing uh, two weeks where we do retrospectives is an entire unit and intermix the teams and, and kind of mix the teams up and try to get some honest courage um, and, and hit those lowest common denominator problems and really pick up our engineering practices and pick up our scrum practices and XP practices. And then maybe every third week um, try to do a, a retrospective that kind of highlighted each team as an individual team as part of the exercise, even though it was facilitated all at one time. Um, the problem is is that becomes fairly difficult to find exercises that work that only have two people providing the input to those data, to right. that data. And, you know, maybe the right answer is we do do something like that. But instead of being a data-gathering retrospective, maybe we take some of the data that has been gathered um, as part of retrospectives over the two previous weeks plus data that we've seen or harvested or discussed um, not during retrospectives and bring that in and then kind of try to facilitate um, kind of those one-on-one with each team for part of the retrospective and, and have it be a little more pointed. Of course, the difficulty is some of these startup projects that we deal with only run four to, four to eight weeks. So if you're only doing that every third week or every fourth week, you're, right. you're halfway through a project before you're potentially dealing with issues that could dramatically improve um, the, either the quality of work or the, uh, the, the pace or, or any number of things mm-hmm. uh, revolving around the project. It's, yeah, again, it seems like uh, we, we're having some difficulties mapping best practices in Agile because we are a very uh, traditional consulting shop in a way. We, we want to do short-term projects. We want to try to get as close as we can to fixed bids so that we can bring people in, and that does make it difficult. For, so, you know, having two people teams, if we, if we had something internal, if we were a product company or something like that, then we would have some time to work these things over time, you know, to kind of let things play themselves out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the beauties of doing, um, you know, pairs and then doing either one pair of pairs or two pairs of pairs and kind of capping it to no more than four people per project actually makes us extremely agile and extremely nimble um, in bringing on new customers and, uh, you know, even existing cu- customers, big projects. It allows us to be really nimble in how we use use people and use resources on the team um, to solve problems, but it, it almost allows us to go so fast that it's hard to have some of the structure that is required in Scrum to do the continuous improvement. So um, just like if you doubled your velocity, you might drop testing or might drop other good engineering practices. I think in some ways by having these very small, nimble, agile teams, in some ways we're now going so fast that we're dropping the ability to have some of those sanity checks to come back and say, how can we improve um, with what we're doing? And uh, I think those are things that are going to be a challenge for us uh, for the coming months. Yep, absolutely. 
uh, and hopefully as we do this, we won't just be talking about things that we have no idea how to solve so we can help you guys out. But in, in, in this case, uh, we would definitely like some uh, good advice and help about uh, how to manage lots of small teams. Absolutely, And I, I think that a big part of this podcast for us um, is uh, to talk about the things that we struggle with as much as uh, talk about the things that we think we're doing well. Um, I think that it, it's – Anytime you're doing something professionally or even if you're doing it as a hobby, uh, one of the things you get stuck in when you're kind of in your own isolated world is you don't know um, the pain that other people are having and the solutions they've had. And, you know, sometimes you get great answers to problems that you have. And other times you just hear that everybody else is having the same problem and it makes you just feel a little bit better that, you know, you're not the idiot that just can't figure out how to how to crack a particular nut. And uh so we're hoping that we do a little bit of both. Maybe we help you solve some of your problems. Maybe you help us solve some of our problems. Or at the worst, uh, we realize that you know there's a lot of tough problems out there that maybe haven't been solved yet. Uh, before anything, we just want to talk about what we're doing, and we're hoping that you guys do the same thing. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks.